Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. I think there's very few people and probably very, very, very few people that listen to this podcast that don't want what we're talking about, right? That don't want health, that don't want vitality, that don't want fulfillment, that don't want to be proud of their bodies and uh, capable um, functioning um, livelihood late into their um, years. You know, that's not going to just happen. It's not just going to like magically appear when you wake up the next morning because you thought about it yesterday. Because you think about like starting a diet next Monday doesn't mean that you're going to be healthier. It's like this thing of like wishing, wanting, and hoping. It's the danger zone because your body, like if you talk to me about like your plan to run a marathon, your body rewards you for the spoken words of that plan. It sends off dopamine signals and you get feel goods out of it and you feel like you're moving and you're in the right direction, yet you have done nothing zero, less than nothing's happened yet until you start to go out for that very lace up your shoes and go out for that very first run. And then you do it again the next day and the next day and so on. Now we're starting to go. And it's that we need, need that intentionality behind it. We are here because we know the outcomes in our lives are within our control. That taking absolute ownership of how we eat, sleep, train, think, and connect with each other is how we'll optimize our health and happiness. That chasing excellence is how we grab hold of what is possible. Our mission is to live on the run. Always chasing. Never stop. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Chasing Excellence. As always, I'm joined by Ben. How you doing, bud? I'm good, Pat. How are you doing? I'm great. Good. Today we're gonna um, we're gonna actually answer a question that somebody sent us. I think for a two minute drill, but I was like, no, that's too good. We're gonna do a whole episode on this. Somebody asked us for, just like uh, CrossFit has. Uh, Greg Glassman wrote um, "World Class Fitness in a Hundred Words." She was curious if we could offer our take on what health in a hundred words looks like, or world class health in a hundred words. So I thought that would be really fun. So that's what we're going to do today. We, um, just to kind of get people up to speed, what we did, what Ben and I have done, we each wrote our own version of 100 words of health. And then we were like, okay, let's jam them together and see what what kind of the hybrid uh, version of it looks like. So that's what we've got. So now we have we've 200 got sort of words the, of health. That's what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> And most of them are redundant because they say the same things. Um, and so that's what we're going to do. We've kind of got the, the chasing excellence version of health in 100 words. So we're going to read that. Um, I'm really excited. We're going to kind of break it down, talk about it. Um, I wanted to just first start. I, 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 the reason I love this idea is I love this as a constraint. I love the, the, I love the kind of the package that this forces you to think about. I think especially something like define health. I think that's something, unless you create the constraints necessary, I don't know that you ever get to a very good definition of it. And I think that's why the world-class fitness in a hundred words works so well in such a powerful blueprint for what CrossFit does and what CrossFit has always done, because it forces you to narrow in on the actual ideas, right? It forces you to say, is this it or is it that it? Because I, I can't, it can't be both because I don't have enough 
I don't have enough space for it, right? And it's something that I've done a lot. I've done it. I, I have uh, a version for world-class branding, for functional branding. Like, it's just a helpful way to think about, well, what is what do I actually believe about this idea? And so before we get into health in 100 words, I'd, I'd love to just hear from you. Like, do you remember world-class fitness in 100 words? Do you remember kind of coming across that and what that... And how helpful that was? Yeah, absolutely. For all the all the reasons that you just um, laid out, and hundred uh, words of fitness, um, it's um, it might not be as well. It's as defining as it is prescriptive, right? Mm-hmm. It's saying it's not only saying like um, fitness is. So the definition of fitness is work capacity across broad time and mobile domains. That's the definition of fitness. This is a separate exercise, which not only um, expands upon that, but also gives you some things to um, chase. It is mm-hmm. a um, it is almost a a to do and a to a, a, a to don't list, um, right. yeah. which is very cool to what we've done. So you there's a lot of different um, conversations out there and little different definitions about what health is. And the traditional medical community would define health as the absence of disease. Mm-hmm. And people that listen to our podcast will be, not be surprised at all that that is not sufficient for us. It, mm-hmm. that, what that's saying is if you, um, at 70 years old, lose the capacity to um, get off the toilet, uh, put on your pants, get out of bed, um, but you don't have disease of some sort, you're healthy. <laughs> And that's just so not um, up to snuff for our for for what we're trying to do. So ours is a little bit borrowed from um, the the CrossFit definition of it, which is it's it's work capacity across broad time, modal domains, and age. So it is mm-hmm. basically it is right. can you um, so what that means is just from some context. Broad time means like it, it doesn't matter if you want to um, do a hundred mile bike ride or you um, are trying to pick up something really heavy that takes two seconds. Like the time doesn't make it matter. And similar, the um, the um, broad time the and mobile domains doesn't matter if it's again hiking, skiing, lifting weights, swimming, running, rowing, biking, lunging, throwing, jumping, skiing. It doesn't matter. Like that's what we're looking for is really the capacity to. Um, do all of those different things. But what we're really kind of like leaning into there is the functional demands of life. This is what we're talking about when we talk about switch this paradigm over to health, the functional demands of life. So um, if you are not, we're not talking about the elite performers. We're not talking about the CrossFit games. What we're talking about is if you are not hindered, so in any way, so it's almost like it's not the absence of disease, it's the absence of anything that's going to restrict you from living life on your terms. Mm. Um, that's from a, mostly from a physical, biological standpoint. So I'm not saying like yep. you go to jail. Um, so that's what we're trying to do. So with that definition, what is the hundred words that become the the the, the further um, expansion upon that and uh, prescription behind it and. You know, I'm going I'm to um, take a little leap here and kind of it, it falls in line with people that have listened to this in terms of our five factors of health, in terms of how you eat, how you think, how you train, how you sleep, and how you connect with other people. So you'll see that kind of like throughout um, these hundred words. 
Cool. Okay. So what we're going to do is we're going to, I'll read it out uh, in full. It is only hundred words. So it takes only a couple seconds. And then you and I will kind of break down each one of the sentences, each one of the kind of the concepts in there. And we'll just kind of chat about it and see where the conversation goes. All right. Health in hundred words, create an environment in which it's easy to eat well, move often, sleep lots, think deeply and create real connections. Be intentional. Don't just hope it happens. Chase what sets your heart on fire. Seek out challenges, feedback, and opportunities to serve something bigger than yourself. Respect your breath. Control your attention. Spend time outside. Recognize that health is the result of choices and luck. Focus on what you can control. Avoid defining it by any single number. Avoid fads and gurus. Avoid complaining and people who do. Optimize everything for consistency and sustainability. Treat yourself like someone who matters. Treat yourself. Treat yourself. Okay, so from the top, and you you just alluded to the five factors that we talk about mm -hmm. a lot here. Create an environment in which it's easy to eat well, move often, sleep lots, think deeply, and create real connections. The thing that that sticks out to me is there are two things in here that I think maybe are worth unpacking a little bit. Things obviously we've, we've hinted on, talked about a bit before, but the first is the environment, right? Yeah. What's the importance of the environment? And then the second part, which is obviously part and parcel to that, which is make it easy. Yeah. I'd love to hear more from you about how those two things or why those two things are so important. Yeah. So um, the easy thing to dive into there and like kind of the thing that we talk about a lot on this podcast is the, the latter part of that, right? Um, eat well, move, so train, move well, move often, sleep lots, um, how you think um, and the relationship side. But I like what you're pulling out is the other like precursors to that. And it's about, um, so the first one is the environment, which then actually you can't, the environment is what creates the ease, right? We're trying to create an yeah. environment that makes it easy to do these things because um, environment is so massively impactful on outcomes, it is one of the determining factors. Like think about the number. So you can predict someone's success from a um, traditional measure in terms of like financial success by better by their zip code than you can their IQ. Mm. That is a better correlate to success in life. Meaning like where they're born, aka their environment, what neighborhood they grew up in is more important to the results that they get from a financial standpoint than how smart they are. It's yeah. environment is so powerful. We've talked about um, how willpower is a fleeting um, resource. It gets used up. So it it's exhausting to like, if we're trying to eat well, it's exhausting to try to eat well. If you um, constantly have junk food in the house, it's, like you, that is not a recipe for what we talk about at the end for long-term success and consistency. Mm -hmm. What we need to do is make the environment as, so here's another way to think about this. If you were to go to like a wellness retreat, like you go to the way for the weekend, long weekend with your significant other to a wellness spa, right? And when you go there, there's the right level of, um, uh, it's a perfect temperature. The right music is playing to calm you down. Everything, all meals are prearranged and farm farm raised, organic, like perfect macronutrient balance. You can't eat food otherwise. Um, you go and you do the exercise at certain times. It's so engaging and so fun. You have these great hikes where you engage. Like 
People come back from those weekends feeling amazing and it's not hard. It's not hard to follow that prescription when you're there. Why is that? Why is it not hard while you're there? One reason. They've set up the environment for you to make it as easy as possible. Now, people, most people just kind of like don't take control of this in their own lives. So they're trying to get the two days out of 365 every year that they can spend at those types of places. Or they hope at some distant time in the future when they retire or they um, um, the kids leave the house or um, whatever it is that they can try to create this and they're not taking enough ownership of it right now. This, this is fully in your control. Is it hard to do in the beginning? Yeah. But do the hard thing now so it's easy later on. Go home, rip apart your pantry, anything in a box or bag, get rid of it. Anything with a list of ingredients. Then um, set up like, so you can set up your home so um, the lights dim at a certain time. I'm not saying like manual, I don't have that, but like dim your lights at a certain time at night. When you wake up in the morning, play some, Heather's playlist on Alexa is uh, Mindful Guitar. At night, it's (laughs) nature sounds. It's so funny, like Heather's um, uh, Spotify gives you like your, your top 10 most playlists and then like recommendations. All of Heather's are like, um, like um, soft rainforest, like uh, tranquil ocean. It's like, cause that's what, that's not saying that we're doing this perfectly, but we are getting to the next piece. I mean, this is a segue to it, but we are being super intentional with it. Yeah. 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 The thing I think about, and it's funny, I, I, I've been thinking about it, not quite in this context, but, but listening to you makes me think about it, which is it's sort of related. It's kind of like mental health, which is, um, Social media, one of the things that social media does really poorly is it makes us, if not done intentionally, if not done well, it makes us feel badly about ourselves, right? Yeah. And and so one of the things I was thinking about is like, well, everybody's always focused on the outputs of of a lot of things uh, on yeah. on how I feel, right? And But also health and, and fitness and sleep. And we focus a lot of our energies on outputs when if we only... F- if we only paid that attention towards the inputs, the outputs would take care of themselves, right? And for some reason, those things are connected to me now. The idea of like, okay, well, if Instagram makes you feel bad, what people will try to do is like, I just need to use Instagram less. But the solution might be, I need to do a better job of, of curating who I follow on Instagram so that I get rid of all of the people who make me feel like crap, even if it's my sister, even if it's my cousin, even if it's whatever, some some random influencer, right? And I, I feel like kind of the same thing where it's like that, the pantry uh, example. The inputs are the thing that's getting us. That's the thing that's stopping us from the, the end result that we want. But we always focus so much on like, ah, am I, am I, do I have the six pack yet? Have I lost the 15 pounds? Have I got the, the PR yet? We just need to like, we just need to go upstream and focus more on like, what do we enter? What are we letting in? And see if that's not actually the problem. Love that. Yeah, man, that's so good. And the, the parallels you drew between like um, social media and um, creating a filter system. Like when you are on Instagram, every single time you're on that, you're shopping. Who do I want to allow to influence me? That's that it is. That's what it, that's why they call them influencers. Like, yeah. and whether it's yeah. a, whether it's a paid, big, huge celebrity influencers, or it's that, um, um, soccer mom that every time you see it, you notice that like it gives you this weird gut feeling or something that you don't like, like you, you have the control over filtering those things and becoming aware of that. Just like 
when you, and it's a hard thing to do, but once you do it, you're setting up your environment and you're setting up for in a healthy way. And maybe to kind of jump um, forward a little bit and we'll pull back. But yep. I think when you read these hundred words, it's like, whoa, where's like the clean and jerks in the running? Where's like the rowing and where's like the, the macros and the protein intake? It's um, this, it, that's not what we're, it's a higher level than that, right? It's, you can, for nutrition, there are people that eat um, 80% carbohydrates that are very, very healthy. And there's people that eat like carnivore, like no carbohydrates and are healthy. That's not the most important thing. That's like the, what we talk about later on, like the gurus and the fads and all that stuff. The big massive principles is number one, start taking control of your environment. And I love your social media thing because it's a perfect parallel to when you go shopping. Like don't allow the junk into your house. When you go to the grocery store, that's the one hard decision you need to make every However, when you go grocery shopping, two, three days, every once a week, you have to do that. And then once it's not in the house, when you're having those weak moments or even just that temptation, it's not there. God, if there was, if there was junk in my house, I would eat it all the time. I would just like, I would eat it all the time. Um, but we figured out this hack, this thing, which is like, it's not an option. And because it's not there, you don't search for it. You don't want it. You don't seek it out. It's not like, gosh, maybe in the beginning it is a little bit and every now and then it is like you see a commercial and like, you know, a Reese's fast break commercial comes on. You're like, oh my God, like that looks amazing. Um, but all in all, in general, the temptation is so far gone because how often are you sitting around at um, 7.30 at night going like, um, um I'm going to drive to the store and get a piece of pizza right now. Yeah. Like very few people are doing that. Yet, let's imagine there is some amazing smelling pizza in your kitchen at 7:30 at night. What's the likelihood you're going to go and grab a piece? It's like even if you don't want that much, you it's like the likelihood goes up exponentially like to the tunes of millions of a percent. It's not even measurable anymore. And it's a simple thing of controlling our environment. Yeah. Yeah. And the, and you alluded to it, but this, this bleeds right into the next line, which is be intentional. Don't just hope it happens. Right. Just the first thing is, you know, being intentional about the environment is what what is it that I want at the end of this? And what do I need to set up? Like the 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 and certainly not my idea, but the idea, it's probably James Clear, the idea of like making it really hard to have a bad habit, which is what you're alluding to. Right. Like make it really hard. If you want a piece of pizza. Okay, but you're gonna have to get in the car. You're gonna have to drive right, 15 minutes. Right. You're gonna have to order. Like, if you really want it that bad, make it really hard. Right. Um, and be and then and recognize like how, what is it that's not helping me, and what do, what do I need to put in place to stop myself? This is the hard one though, because I love that you mentioned the James Clear aspect because um, it doesn't happen like that. Like health yeah. doesn't happen after you um, have one salad and mm -hmm. um, start one meditation practice. It's not the way it works. In fact, even if you have salads every single day for the rest of your life, it still might not happen. If you go for a mile run every day, it still might not happen. It, it is the accumulation of these tens of thousands of little points. And that's why it's so hard for so many people because they go, look, I've, I stopped eating um, uh, sugar and um, alcohol and I haven't lost any weight. It's well, that's a good start to it, but it's not the totality of it. That's like saying like, 
listen, I, I bought some dumbbells and, um, um, I went for a walk and I'm, I'm not, um, you know, I don't have a six pack yet. It's like, it, mm-hmm. it's, it takes a lot longer than that. And you have to, there isn't, I shouldn't say that. I think there's very few people and probably very, very, very few people that listen to this podcast that don't want what we're talking about, right? That don't want health, that don't want vitality, that don't want fulfillment, that don't want to be proud of their bodies and uh, capable um, functioning um, livelihood late into their um, years. You know, it's like, um, it's not necessarily about lifespan. It's not about living to 120. It's about health span. It's about take the same lifespan, call it 85 if you want to, and living like vibrantly right up to that day that you finally kick it. Like that's what we're chasing. That's not going to just happen. It's not just going to like magically appear when you wake up the next morning because you thought about it yesterday. Because you think about like starting a diet next Monday doesn't mean that you're going to be healthier. It's like this thing of like wishing, wanting, and hoping it's the danger zone because your body, like if you talk to me about like your plan to run a marathon, your body rewards you for the spoken words of that plan. It sends off dopamine signals and you get feel goods out of it and you feel like you're moving in the right direction, yet you have done nothing, zero, less than nothing's happened yet until you start to go out for that very, lace up your shoes and go out for that very first run and then you do it again the next day and the next day and so on. Now we're starting to go. And it's that we need need that intentionality behind it. I have a few massive principles in my life and intention is one of those things. You get what you move yourself purposely towards. If you want uh, a better relationship with your spouse, you have to be super intentional with that. It's not just going to happen in 10 years from now. It doesn't work that way. There's not magic pixie dust that's going to fall from the sky and all of a sudden now you're like, it happened. You you have to go and do the acts. It's literally action trumps all. And that's what this is about is you got to do it. So going back to the first one, we've talked about the eat well, even the exercise one. Um, so that's why like CrossFit gyms work because like you don't have to like during quarantine, everyone figured this out. Like they worked out at home, man, it's a lot harder to motivate home. And when they went back to the gym, they were like, whoa, I lost so much fitness. It's because Mm -hmm. it makes it easy to stay fit inside the walls of a CrossFit gym. That's what it is. That's why they exist. That's why people are talking, it's gonna be all Peloton and mirror and home gym stuff. No, it's not. Because you can get some level of fitness there. You're not gonna get it totally until you get to this group environment. It matters, it matters, it matters. The group effect is real. So get in the right environment. So what's that mean in terms of like, if we're going to be intentional about that, what's it mean for the other ones? Like sleeping lots. If you want a better sleep, you don't just go to bed thing like, I hope I sleep better tonight. I hope I sleep better tonight. You have to institute new practices and see what works and what doesn't. You have to play with different temperatures. Is you sleep better at 68 degrees or 62? Most people are in that range. Do you work better with um, blue light glasses before you go to bed or staying off mm. of um, screens entirely because it's not the blue light, it's actually the stimulation of being on a device? Is or Do you work better with uh, um, some sort of white noise, sleep noise or not? Or do you work better with a fan or do you better with no noise at all? Do you do better with windows open or windows closed? Is it better if you take a shower before you go to bed or not? Like you have to be intentional with these things. It doesn't, better sleep doesn't just manifest itself at some point, in fact, what happens to most people 
is their nutrition, uh, maybe not nutrition, nutrition tends to get better as we age in general because health declines, people take more care of their bodies. But most of these other things um, start to fall off. As we get older, the connection fades because we get more isolated. We don't, we're no longer in school. We're no longer with our, um, our sports team. So the connection starts to fade off. Um, our, um, yeah. our thinking fades off because we're not challenged academically or professionally. Um, our sleep gets worse because our hormones aren't the way, our hormones aren't the way they were. We're less active because we're not running around like toddlers and teenagers. It's like, we have to be intentional with these things. If we can't do that, we can hold on to our lifespan. Like we, um, I, I'm very confident that what we're talking about here is the prescription for better health. You know, when you start to lean into all of these different um, research and yeah, there's a mitochondria and there's um, telomeres and there's um, what happens at the cellular level and there's RNA and DNA and what happens at the perception and receptors of cells. And it's really fun and exciting biology to dig into. When you pull it back, you know what all those guys then talk about? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, exercise more, eat better, less calories. Um, sleep really well. I mean, it's all the stuff that we're talking. This is the life hack. Everyone wants to go to like, you know, infrared, you know, like infrared lights and, um, you know, um, saunas or um, some sort of like a keto diet. And it's like, it, it's, it's this stuff. This is, this is the jam. The next one, the next one I really like, cause it, it, kind of takes a left turn, but in a way that I really love the next, the next line is chase what sets your heart on fire, which is obviously something we've talked about a lot, but, but talk to me about where you see or why you think passion is such a, such an integral part of, uh, of the pursuit of health. So it's, it, it, it basically comes down to stress. Like um, mm. if you were to like optimize for one thing in your life as human beings um, wow. and you had like um, sleep, you had like um, nutrition, you had exercise and you had stress, um, I would advise everyone to go towards the stress one. Um, stress will manifest itself as disease um, in a more pronounced way than almost any of the other factors can affect. Mm -hmm. Stress is so powerful. I just kind of alluded to like the, um, um, the cellular level. So you have trillions of cells on your body. Each of those cells has a, um, a receptor on the outside. Think of it as like a skin, just like your body has a receptor on the outside of it called a skin. And when you go outside and it's cold out, your body perceives the environment. It perceives the cold through your skin. It goes, hey, body, it's cold outside. Kick up your metabolism so you stay at 98.6 degrees. So there's a um, receptor and there's an effector. The receptor is your skin. The effector is your metabolism. Every cell in your body works the same way. It's interpreting your environment. And it's trying to um, when it interprets it, what it's doing is it's perceiving the environment. It's not the environment. It's the perceived environment that changes the epigenome. 
Meaning like, think of like genetics. Everyone talked about like in 2003, they mapped the human genome. And remember how big that was? It was April of 2003. Mm-hmm. And it was like, holy crap, no more disease. They're gonna be cloning like little human Patricks. And if your arm gets chopped off, we'll just place a new arm on you. And there's gonna be no more disease. And do you also remember how all of a sudden after that huge, big splash, it kind of got really quiet for the next decade. Mm. Like no one talked about it anymore. And the reason was it wasn't what they thought. The, the, um, the mapping of the huge human genome revealed that we have figured out the, the genetic code. But the genetic code is just a script. And your body can interpret that script in any one number of different ways. And think of it as in terms of like um, the example I've, I've heard ex- you to explain this is um, Romeo and Juliet. It's a script. And it can be done in like the traditional, like it would be done on Broadway, the traditional Broadway sense with, you know, um, um, or that exact same script can be done by Leonardo DiCaprio in the, the film that was done in the late 90s. And it's the same script, but it's completely different. Like so, so different. They're saying the same things, but it's a different genetic, your genes express themselves differently based off the way they are perceiving the environment. So what is that perception? That perception is fight or flight or rest and repair. Mm -hmm. If your body is sensing stress, now acute short-term stress, good. Exercise, cold showers, um, facing a fear. Like those things are good Mm -hmm. because they're acute and they're short. And those things actually are the recipe for a longer, healthier life. That's That actually does great things for the human genome, the epigenetic genome. It creates these deeper valleys for um, think of it like the other way you think about, uh, the, the epigenome is you have these like big peaks and valleys and these balls are dropping into these valleys. And if they stay in the valley, the gene expresses the way it's supposed to skeletal muscle turns to skeletal, skeletal, um, genes turn to skeleton, muscular cells turn to muscle, fat turns to fat and so on. It does what it's supposed to do. The problem is when it gets disrupted, think like those balls in between valleys and there's an earthquake and they start bouncing where they're not supposed to be. That's the epigenome for like toxins or um, something that's this is what causes cancers. Like it gets like, whoa out of whack, and the genome takes a massive turn for the worst, and chronic disease manifests itself. Well, that shakeup is chronic stress. The biggest thing that we can do there, yes, you could get poisoned, right? Like poison or a toxin for sure. And that's, a, that's a, an acute thing. But what, that's not the thing that's getting most of us. The thing that's getting most of us is chronic disease. It's happened mostly through lifestyle factors. Lifestyle factors control the epigenome. And we what we want to do is make sure that um, we are making sure we're managing and mitigating stress. Because if we feel the fight or flight response, what happens is in fight or flight, your body sends everything away from the gut and it shuts off your immune system. Literally, like your immune system shuts off. You cannot fight off diseases if you are stressed. That's a mm-hmm. terrible, terrible thing. Now, science knows this. If you're going to get a, um, a, um, um, an organ transplant, what do they do? They give you a stressor, inject a stressor into you. So your body goes into fight or flight mode. Your immune system goes down and you'll absorb the new Otherwise, it'll fight it off as like an invader, a toxin. It'll fight it because the immune system is so strong. So Mm -hmm. what we need to be able to do is getting back to this line is make sure 
that we're doing what sets our heart on fire because if we enjoy the journey, if we can blur the line between work and play every single day, if we're excited about Monday morning, not stressed out about Monday morning, if we don't even know really when we're working and when we're playing because we're so, it's all a part of our pursuit of our lives, take what you love to do most, whether it's um, um, writing Patrick or somebody else, mm-hmm. it's skiing or it's connecting with other people or it's performing or it's um, whatever it might be. If you're doing that set, do um, that saying is um, don't ask what uh, the world needs. Ask what sets your heart on fire because what the world needs is more people with their heart mm-hmm. on fire. That's what we should all be pursuing. If we do this, it looks like it's like, okay, like, um, they're bucking the trend. They're not going to, um, you know, they're not going to Wall Street. They're not trying to trace the corporate ladder. They're not going to be an accountant. They're not going to um, go to um, dental or medical school. They're not going to be a lawyer. Um, they're going to chase their passions. Like, oh, they're like a lone wolf. Like, no, those people are doing probably the best thing they can for their health. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. I keep thinking about, you know, we started this conversation about the, the maybe the classic definition of health being the the absence of disease. And as we keep talking, I keep kind of saying, I keep thinking about like, okay, if it's not the absence of health, it's the presence of fill in the blank, right? It's the presence of vitality. It's the yeah. presence of passion, right? And that to me is a better definition of health than the absence of anything, but it's the presence of what, right, whatever that, whatever that right word is. Yeah. Um, it, yeah, I, lo- I love that. It's, it's uh, you know, we can fill in the blank, but uh, it's that um, the presence of um, passion, um, excitement, joy, um, mm-hmm. um, um, engagement, like, um, like, do you get up with a spring in your step or are you kind of like, you know, complaining your way through life? <laughs> Next line, seek out challenges, feedback, and opportunities to serve something uh, and opportunities to serve something bigger than yourself. We talked a little bit about challenges a few seconds ago. Is it like the, the right kind of stress, the useful kind of stress? Um, what else do you think about when you look at this? So I, I think the challenge is that. It's like what we're trying to do is, um, so there's the right kind of stressors, those acute stressors, like hard workouts. So um, in terms of health span, um, there's one type of workouts that is shown to be most effective um, for um, improving your health span. Um, and that's high intensity interval training. Shocker. Um, mm. There is um, correlations between aerobic exercise like runners and lower cardiovascular risk and things like that. But the number one thing for in terms of um, challenges, and then also similar to that is like people that do cold plunges, people that do challenges, like do, do hard things. Like your body is, it's all about this evolution, right? Like if your body um, is stressed in the right way, like a workout, it grows and adapts and becomes better and stronger. Um, that's what we're looking for. Um, feedback is, um, again, it goes back to that mental aspect. If you seek out feedback, it means that you're curious as opposed to judgmental. And if you shy away from feedback, if you're afraid of feedback, if you're afraid of criticism, if you're afraid of um, people saying like, hey, have you thought about this? Or what if you did this? Or you could do this better. Um, what you're constantly trying to do then is it, you're shifting from that growth to that fixed mindset. And that fixed mindset is a much more stressful way to live your life. 
Um, it just, it just is because you're seeking out ways to validate yourself and doing everything you can to avoid things that might, um, expose a vulnerability as opposed to being curious and going like, um, Hey, I'm not very good at that yet. I wonder if I dot, 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 right. Um, I'm not very good at, um, swimming yet. Like what people that aren't, that aren't seeking feedback or challenges, um, what they do is they avoid swimming altogether. Whereas other people get in the pool, get with a swim coach, they learn, they grow, they're working, they're mental, um, learning, the, the learning muscles, um, they're gr- like literally feedback equals growth. Like it's the shortcut mm-hmm. to growth. If we're thinking about um, health, lifespan, health span, all that, what we're trying to do is not only preserve our capacity, but grow it. We want to expand mm-hmm. upon it. So that's super important. And the last one takes a little bit of a turn, but it's um, the opportunity to serve something bigger than yourself. It's again, goes back to that. Um, you know, there's a, um, there's a, a few studies done on longevity and, um, you know, some of the massive correlates are, you know, um, relationships and, um, but um, happiness is a, ma- a really big one. And it comes down to happiness. There's three real driving factors of happiness. Um, one of which is to um, give back. So mm-hmm. um, think like charity, but here's the kicker to that is money doesn't move the needle. It moves the needle for the person receiving it. If they're, you know, um, homeless and you give them, um, you know, $100,000, that's going to massively impact their lives. Strangely enough, it doesn't impact the giver's life mm-hmm. um, because um, money is a renewable resource. You give away $100,000, you have the potential to earn that back. The thing that um, when you when it says serve something bigger than yourself, the, the underlying theme there is um, serve in a in a way that um, you're giving up your time. Time is a non-renewable resource. When you give it up for somebody else, you're serving the greater humanity in a way that um, um, makes you more at peace with yourself. And again, the stress thing that we talked about to help the epigenome express itself in the way it's supposed to. Um, um, falls in line a lot better than it would be if you, if you ignore this. Yeah. Yeah. I think about two things with this line. Um, in addition to obviously everything you just said, the, the first is just the idea of seeking out challenges. You know, I think that there's, there's a very important distinction that needs to be made between voluntary challenges and involuntary challenges, right? We all, nobody really signs up for the involuntary challenges, oh, yeah. right? The, the sick kid, the, the lost job, et cetera. And so I think when people hear challenges, they, they, I think it's easy to to put all challenges into the like I didn't want this one bucket, right? COVID. But yeah, exactly, but there's so much value in back to the idea of being intentional to choose the challenges that you engage in for a couple of reasons. One because that helps you grow in the direction that you hope to grow in, but also I think by choosing challenges, you retain some of that passion, you retain some of that interest. And because you retain those things, you can tackle those challenges better. And because you can tackle those challenges better, you teach yourself that you can tackle challenges. <laughs> so when the involuntary ones show up, you're a little bit better equipped because you've taught yourself that you're capable of dealing with challenges, right? And so I think I think it's really important to, to make sure you pull apart that not all challenges are the same. And actually, you can chase the ones that make the most sense to you. And then you can you can respond to the ones that you didn't sign up for, but that kind of are were introduced to you. So that's the first thing I think about. And then the second thing, just to tie back to the passion a little bit, this idea of opportunities to serve something bigger than yourself. I think, you know, we've talked about a little bit, you've alluded to this idea of like passion being 
you know, you've talked about it a couple of times in a couple of recent episodes where like that chapter in your book of passion is like, I, I don't know that, that I'd put that in there. Right. And I'd love to have a deeper conversation with you about passion. Maybe that's a separate one. But I think the thing to me that's that's really important to recognize and point out is passion without purpose is not particularly useful. But when you can tie yourself to serving something bigger than yourself, you introduce the idea of purpose. And if you can do that, if you can marry those two ideas, that I have this passion and I've figured out a way for me to use it to be helpful, to be useful, to be valuable to another person, another community, another idea, then suddenly the passion, I think, is only additive. I think it's only helpful. I don't think it has any of those negative ramifications of spinning your wheels of chasing something that, that might not get you where, you know, get you where you want to go. Um, and so I think the, the marrying of the passion and the purpose is really important. Yeah. I love that. Well said. Respect your breath. We're going to do this one at a time. Respect your breath. We've, we are, we recently had an episode about breath work. Um, and it's definitely something that that's in the water. I think you've talked about this before. Like it's, it's one of the things, uh, that people are starting to learn, is incredibly important. And maybe at some point, right, in a couple months, we might say we found a sixth factor, right? It might be breath. Um, But talk to me about, you know, we we did a whole episode on it. So for for folks who want to go deeper, um, definitely go back and listen to that. But like, give us the high level, um, um, the the highlights on the importance of breath. Well, I I like the way that we wrote this here where it's respect your breath. Um, Because what we're not saying here is, um, um, you know, do box breathing. Or um, mm-hmm. practice Wim Hof, or um, nasal breathe, or um, anything like that. We're not saying. What we're saying is, pay attention. And it's a telltale. If you are doing short, shallow breaths through your chest, something's up. That's a that's the that's the stress thing. Um, which makes sense when we're running away from saber-toothed tigers, it might be like that. We're not supposed to be like that all the time. We're supposed to be relaxed and we're supposed to be doing diaphragmatic breathing. So there's a whole bunch of research out there that shows that um, breath work, the way you breathe, um, has massive effects on your health. Um, And this is just a a, a nod to that, which is... Mm -hmm. Pay attention. Um, if it's off, be aware that it's off. Try and bring some intentionality back to the breath. And then maybe even pick up a breath practice, which you might, um, whatever that might look like, whether it's meditation, uh, a box breathing, um, some sort of like Soma or Wim Hof or whatever it might be. Um, because there's, breath is two things. It's a, uh, it's, it's a, lever that you can move to help tweak your health, but it's also um, like a telltale meter and lets you know if something's out of whack. If you um, get shortness of breath, if you get tightness in your chest, if you, that's a sign that we're in the sympathetic nervous system, that fight or flight, and we need to be pulled back into the parasympathetic, that rest, repair, um, rest, digest. Um, so that's, that's the idea behind the breath one. Do you guys, have you guys started to do any, I know we talked about it in, in the episode about, um, your athletes, the comp mm-hmm. athletes and, and breath work. Have you done, have you instituted, have you thought about how to bring breath into, into the, in the CrossFit New England 
end of things? Um, and if so, like what, 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 if anything, have you kind of tried to dabble in? So we've, yeah, dabble is probably the right word. Um, we've dabbled even on the elite side, we've been dabbling in breath work for since about 2016, um, very lightly. Um, and this year, probably more so than we ever have. It's like more, yeah. a little more intentional, a little more part of the regular program. Um, and then with CrossFit New England, it's a, it's again, we just kind of, um, have dabbled, um, with my classes, particularly that I coach the 830 class, we've, uh, practiced with it, um, less than a handful of times, um, in the, in the total existence of the gym. Um, it's a thing that we've exposed people to, but, um, and when we do, people are, people are kind of into it. Um, but it's not something that we've, we put into a, um, as you said, it's not one of the five factors right now. Yeah. Got it. Cool. Next one, control your attention. So I think this is a little bit to do with intentionality, but it's again, like you've said this so well, it's like, I, I, I think that, um, I love the idea of like controlling your attention. It's like what we pay attention to. Um, first off, it's like the frequency illusion. Like if you're going to buy a new Honda Civic, all of a sudden you see Honda Civics everywhere. Like, so if you're focusing on negative things, if you're focusing on, um, um, how all, all, how your wife is controlling. If you focus on how your kids never listen to you, if you focus on how your boss, um, um, never respects your work, like that's what you're going to see. You're going to see that everywhere. And that's not a great way to navigate life. Like what you want to do is again, set up your environment in a way that's, um, healthy and productive. And we know that a healthy, productive mindset is one where people believe that the future is brighter than the past, that optimism. And if you pay attention to being an optimistic person rather than a pessimistic person, you actually change again, it's a psychobiological model, right? Your mind is actually controlling what's happening on the cellular level inside your body. Um, yes, there is, I, we alluded to this already. Yes, there is um, some catastrophic things that could happen. Yes, there are genetic things that I'm not saying like, if you focus on being six feet tall, you'd be six feet tall. It's not, it's not, it doesn't work like <laughs> that's that. That's how I got that. Yeah. It's, that's how I got that. You're, you're, you have a more powerful mind than I do <laughs> by about three inches. Um, so it's, um, but it, what you, your attention really matters. Um, attention, um, intention, um, perspective, um, like understanding your thoughts, like just the awareness of your thoughts and the awareness that you really don't have control over your thoughts. But once the moment you realize that you have thoughts, you're rate, you're, you're elevating yourself out of what would, what, um, mystics or like, um, spiritual people or Eckhart Tolle would call like the unconscious, right? Mm -hmm. Um, the unconscious mind is we're navigating life through just set default motor pattern, uh, um, um, patterns that are based off of experiences. And we are, um, prognosticating future events based off of those past ones. And we're really, um, we're living in the matrix. We have, we're, we're living in a false paradigm. It's not real. And the moment you become aware that your thoughts in your head are not actually you, that's the first step to enlightenment, awokenness, mm -hmm. which is, would, which would be ultimately um, where you live with no stress. 
um, if you get to that point, there's no stress in your life. Like the, the monks that um, just like spend 18 hours a day meditating, like they can get there. Like for us, that's probably not, a re- we're probably not going to become enlightened. But what we can do is at least take the first step towards becoming more aware. And when you become aware of what you're focusing your attention on, uh, it's a really powerful thing that can manifest itself physically um, from a health perspective. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with all that, obviously. The, the, the one thing I would add is maybe one of the ways that I've come to think about attention is, you know, we talk a lot about just generally, we talk a lot about, you know, uh, the the non-renewable resources that we all have. And generally, we we talk about time Love it. Um, as being the most important one. But I actually think that attention is the most important non-renewable resource in the sense of it teaches you where to put your time, right? And the example I always give is like if if you and your significant other are, you know, you've got you've you've got a night planned, a date or whatever, and you you can make a choice between sitting down and having a, a 15 minute, 20 minute heart to heart conversation or spend two hours watching a Netflix movie in silence, which one of those two scenarios are going to be more valuable to that relationship? Well, it's not the two hours, so it can't be the time. The, t- the time spent isn't the the marker that's going to be- move the needle the most. It's the attention. It's the attention on each other that's ultimately going to be more valuable. So five minutes could be more valuable than five hours if the attention is spent in the right way. Um, and I just I just think it's so powerful to just start looking at everything through I only have this moment. What am I paying attention to? Because I can't, I can only pay attention to one thing. And is this the most valuable thing I can love that? Yeah, that's, uh, that goes right to, um, if we're trying to get the most bang for our buck in terms of these five factors, if we're trying to, um, um, spend time in the gym, it's not the time in the gym. Um, they've done this, they've done the study where it's not, you know, the 10,000 hours rule, um, where, Amateurs, a lot of times, will train even harder than professionals, more hours. Mm. What they're mm. not doing is bringing the same level of uh, attention to their practice. The attention, and this is what um, gets lost in the Malcolm Gladwell's um, popularization of Eric Erickson's um, um, classical violinist, 10, hours. the 10,000 hours rule. And the 10,000 hours is what got, it got, got, it got popularized, but it wasn't the 10,000 hours. It was 10,000 hours of deliberate practice meaning super attention on what they were doing. Because a lot of us can spend 10,000 hours and make no gains whatsoever, AKA driving, right? Like you might be a better driver than you were when you were 16, but you're not going to the Indianapolis 500. Like you've done 10,000 hours of driving. Like, why are you not a pro? Why are you not like on the high circuit? It's because you didn't do those with total attention. Um, So I love that idea about that, Patrick. Yeah, the non-renewable resource, it's not time. It's focus and attention. Spend time outside. Speaking of time. So there, uh, so again, in terms of like the health factor, there's just, uh, there's so much um, that goes to this. It's like, there's, there is a thing about nature. Um, if you can't get into nature because you live in a city, like get outside. Um, now you could argue like, well, inside I have an air filter and it's better air and I live in a city that's bad population. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about getting outside from underneath the fluorescent light and the computer screen, outside from uh, outside behind uh, Netflix. Um, get out into um, the real world, experience it, feel the ground on your feet, see the trees. Um, there is this really big um, psychological, like um, um, hormonal thing that happens when we get into nature, um, and people that have 
have done this know this. And it's one of the things that like, if, if there's one of these things that I don't do very well, this is it. Like I wish that I, um, I actually track every, I try to get outside and do this every day. Um, but it's the thing that I'd probably do the worst of all the things that I track. Um, it's yeah. probably the one. Yeah. What, what, what I think about there is the, you know, and it could very well have also been in this, which is just the idea of like going for a walk, yeah. right. Ideally going for a walk outside and I, and just thinking, kind of connecting it to the, the first thing we talked about, which is make it easy for yourself to think deeply. That's a pretty good way to do it, right? Give yourself the space, give yourself the time to, to take a walk, uh, you know, through the woods, ideally get out in the sun, um, and, and give yourself the space necessary to think through some things. Yeah, we had Rob Wolf on the podcast and anybody that uh, missed that one, how much he talked about the power of vitamin D through the sun. It's just like yep. massive. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to batch the next two because I think that they're related, though we can peel them apart if we want to. Recognize that health is the result of choices and luck. Focus on what you can control. Okay. So uh, we kind of touched up, we kind of like teased this a little bit, but... Um, there are like as much as you focus on these things, if you create the perfect environment and you live these factors perfectly to all the, there's still the chance that you might get hit by a bus. Like if you get hit by a bus yeah, um, and you spend the rest of your life in a coma, like that's just, that's bad luck. Like um, same thing with like, you might've been born with a genetic disorder. Like that's like, there is a measure of luck to this. But as we talked about, there also is a measure of, control. And that control happens through our choices. And mm-hmm. what we need to do is go, Hey, you were dealt a deck of cards. Like that's the way it goes. Like that's the deck of cards you have. Now you can sit there and, um, you know, choose to put the cards face down and put your head in your hands and just kind of like, um, not play the game, or you could try to make the best possible choices you can along the way. And yeah. again, it speaks to this um, control, like even to your, the genetics, right? Like, do you want that Shakespearean play to be the traditional mm-hmm. sense or this like, um, thing with, you know, guns and pistols and gangs and low riders and rap music. And like, that was the same script. Literally every single word is the exact same, but it's a completely different expression and a completely different experience going through that with the same script. And that's determined by mostly by our choices, the level of stress that we're experiencing, choice, choice. Do you live in a friendly or hostile world? Like make that decision. Um, and the choices that we're making in terms of, and they're hard, I'm not saying it's easy, of are you going to have the Sunday or the salad? Are you going to go to the gym or hit the snooze button? Are you going to go to bed early or continue to Netflix? Like those are the choices that control our health and we are in control of those things. So um, we talk about this a lot in terms of the circle of control versus the circle of concern. It's so easy and tempting to focus on the circle of concern, like the things that are going wrong. Yet mm-hmm. those may be outside of our control. And if they are, you got to kind of like go, hey, this is the, you know, you broke your leg. Yep. That was bad luck. Like um, you were, um, um, you know, going hiking and a boulder came rolling down the mountain and wiped you out. Like that's not your fault. That was no choice. Like that was just happened. Now that you got a broken leg, now it's time to make more right choices with that deck of cards and just constantly evolving and mitigating and navigating the um, life 
with the best choice that we possibly can and then let everything else fall off your shoulders. Yeah. Yeah. I think for, for me, the, the thing that sticks out here is just, I, I think it's really easy with thinking about health and maybe it's not, you know, it's not us. It's not often CrossFitters. It's probably not people listening, but this idea that like health is all luck. It's mm. all a crapshoot. It's all, we don't have any control over it. My mom was overweight, so I'm overweight. My, you know, right. And I think that that, I think it's really important to recognize that there is some of that. It's not, you're not crazy, but let's back to the idea of attention. What are you paying attention to? Are you paying attention to the things you can't control? Are you paying attention to, even if it's a small sliver that you can't control? And every time you pay attention to the, to the luck side of things, you're taking away from your ability to affect change in the, in the areas that you do actually have control over. So think about the things that are that could potentially take our life, right? So um, you're um, you're hit by a car, that's a um, a traumatic thing. You are poisoned, that's a toxic thing. You are um, born with a genetic disorder that um, shortens your lifespan. That's those are completely outside your control and a matter of luck. Sorry, they just are. But. The one that's going to take the majority of us, the majority of us do not die from car accidents, genetic diseases, or poisoning. That's not how most of us are going. Most of us are going because of chronic disease. Chronic disease is not luck. Chronic disease is a choice. It is literally, you can choose to have or not have chronic disease. It is 100% determined by lifestyle choices. Type 2 diabetes is a chronic disease. It is 100% due to lifestyle choices. Type 1 diabetes is genetic. You, that was the bad luck. I'm sorry. Like, that sucks for you. That's something you need to uh, navigate on your own. So that's the understanding. Chronic heart disease, like your parents might have been more like, cause your parents had it. You might have it cancers. You might have it. Some of these are on the gray. It might be genetic. It might be chronic. That's why they're are not all cancers are considered chronic disease. Um, but certain ones are, there are certain ones like lots of lung disease is a choice of smoking. Like it's just a matter of, and now it could be even like a choice of like, um, where you choose to live. Is there radon in your home? That's the number two, um, um, cause for, mm. um, lung disease. So mm. there are choices like, and understanding that is so powerful because to your point, it gets rid of this, like, I was just unlucky that I got type 2 diabetes. Like, the moment that you start doing air squats and start eating processed carbohydrates, you no longer have type 2 diabetes. Type 2 diabetes comes back again when you live a sedentary lifestyle, when you choose not to get off the couch, and you decide to have the um, sugary meal. choices, bro. Avoid, uh, avoid defining it by any single number. This is something that I learned from EC. So EC, you're not EC Sinkowski who we've had on the show. Um, she and I have another podcast called the consistency project. And that's one of the things that she talks about a lot is, is the idea of like, stop. And it's usually weight, right? It's all, it's unfortunately always weight. It's always the weight on the scale. Um, and the idea being like, that's important. That's a factor. That's a thing that we need to look at. That's a, that's a, that's a metric worth paying attention to, but don't be so simplistic. Don't be so reductive as to think that that's the only thing that's going to be the determinant of healthy or not healthy. Yeah. It's, it's the, um, 
I like the fact that we have these five factors of health, right? Because almost by definition, you can't focus on one thing. Like if your mile time is going down and down and down and down and down, um, that's good. I want that for everybody um, mm-hmm. to a certain extent. Um, but I, I, what I want to do is almost um, – I'd actually encourage people to like step away from numbers mm. a lot in general anyway. You know, as much as we want measurable, observable, repeatable data for our workouts, as much as we want to, um, you know, um, weigh and measure our food and stuff like that, there's a point of diminishing returns. Um, and there's a point where it's no longer healthy and to the point where you get so fixated on one of those things that you're actually doing more harm than you would be doing good if you didn't otherwise. Case in point, like weight on the scale, right? If you're so fixated on weight on the scale to the point where it causes a eating disorder, that's not you're not that's not a healthy practice for us. Now, weight on the scale is a big thing that people should be paying attention to, particularly if you're over 100 pounds overweight. That that is the one thing I would have people do. I think that that person losing 50 pounds get more beneficial health effects than anything else. That's for that individual. But once that individual gets to a healthy rate range. That's no longer the factor. It's going to be the host of other things. How did you sleep last night? What's your Because when you fixate on one, you're by default negating the other five. Mm-hmm. So of the other four, I should say. So the, the importance here is absolutely is what you said is take the whole picture. Um, it's not optimizing one. It's optimizing us. Yeah, Avoid fads and gurus. It's just... It's kind of, I, I don't, yeah, it's kind of like, it's just like, it, um, what else is there to say, right? It's like, um, there's all these things that are, the next thing is going to come. Like, the, like um, zone diet, then paleo, then macros, then keto, then intermittent fasting. Then it's like, yep, 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 yep. Okay, what are the through lines? Yeah, what are the principles? Yeah, we, exactly. What's the principles? So same thing with gurus. If you want to find somebody that you trust, that's awesome. I love that. Like there's people that I that are my go-tos. Um, but if it's the next guy with the next greatest thing, um, mm-hmm. be weary. Particularly if it's um, if there's revenue associated with what they're pushing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I have a friend. I don't. You you may know him. His name's Darren. He owns. He o- he opened the first CrossFit gym in New Zealand, Darren Ellis. Um, and he says something, I, I've worked with him a little bit, and he said something that I love, which is like, seek out guides, not gurus. Mm. And that's a big like distinction. That. And maybe it's hard to figure out, but like, you've got to start figuring out who is, like EC is a great guide. I think you're a great guide. That's different than a guru. A guru, kind of to your point, is like, hey, I've got the new the new latest thing for thirty two ninety nine, whatever, I can give it to you, right? Billy Blanks with like you've, the the Taibo yeah. boxing, right? It's like, yeah, yeah like, yep. yep, there's the next thing. Yep. Yeah. Um, Suzanne Summers with a thigh master, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. So guides, not gurus. Avoid complaining and people who do. We've certainly talked about complaining a lot. Yeah. That's, uh, that's again, like just goes to like this, um, um, the environment thing. And what we're trying to do is create, uh, an environment, um, where we are, um, we see, the abundance in our lives and not the scarcity. We see the have tos, um, sorry, the get tos instead of the have tos. Um, and if we're around people that are complaining, that's it's, are they, an, are they a fountain or a drain? And you want to surround yourself with, with fountains, not drains. 
Yeah. Yes. I mean, unsurprisingly, a lot of these things are connected, right? So there's the, there's the environment part of it, but there's also the, the stress that you, that you spoke so, so much about, right? People who complain create stress, right? They create stress in other people because they feel stress themselves and they feel like that somehow unloads it. But really what it is, it's just sharing the stress. Um, and then when people complain, well, where does your attention go? the things they're complaining about, yeah. right? It's like they walk around saying red cars, red cars. Yeah. And all of a sudden, well, shit, and I'm looking at red cars. Yeah. To, to the point, it's like, if you, if you do that, you're going to continually see obstacles. Um, and obstacles are hard, are, 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 are hard. That's obstacles suck unless you see the same exact thing, but it's an opportunity. Right. And, um, you know, when COVID hit, uh, there was a lot of obstacles for a lot of people. Um, some people reframe those as opportunities to spend more time with the family, to work on your routines, to eliminate um, um, toxic people from their lives. Like there was opportunities within every single one of these so-called obstacles. And if you surround yourself just with the people that see the obstacles, you're going to have a hard time seeing them as, as well because they're going red car, red car, red car, red car. Optimize everything for consistency and sustainability. So... And we talked about this a little bit earlier. You going for one mile run is better than going for a zero mile run. But what really matters is that one mile run is not going to make you any fitter. What makes you fitter is that one mile run done three days a week for the next year. Choosing the salad over the, the Sunday is the better choice right now, but it's not going to make a difference in your health a year from now. It's the consistent choices along the way. And it's that aggregation of marginal gains, right? It doesn't take, you don't need to pick up and move to, um, you know, live with the monks. You don't need to go and live in a um, health and wellness retreat. You don't need to make those massive, massive life changes. It's just the couple dozen or so small ones every day. Like, are you going to bed at a certain time? Is there a nighttime routine? Are you uh, spending time journaling and meditating? And are you exercising every day? Are you um, spending time connecting with the people that you care most about in your life? Are you, um, you know, are you challenging yourself? Are you looking for feedback? Like all those little things over time and don't be in a rush. It's it, honestly, like if I was to put a number to this, it's five years. Like it takes five years for these little things to, to add up to something. But the, the reason I say that is because in five years, it's going to be this exponential difference. In a year, you might be 10 or 15 pounds lighter. You might be um, have lower triglycerides and a better fasting glucose. You might be able to do another pull-up or two. But in five years, it could be the difference of like chronic disease versus complete fulfillment. Yeah. Love that. And stealing from me, see one more time. One of the things she says, that I think is just spot on. She's like, if you're considering a, a new diet or, or a meal plan or something, a change in that, if you can't see yourself doing that thing for a year, then what's the point of doing it for 30 days? Because you're just going to end up back to where you started. And that's ultimately and obviously. Yeah, I might challenge that one though, because I want people to challenge themselves and to find new experiences. And I can't see myself, when I started off doing Wim Hof breathing, I could not see myself doing Wim Hof breathing for an entire year. Like that was just no possible way. But I yeah, wanted to Yeah, maybe to try if you don't know what you don't yeah, know. you don't know what you don't know. So because of that, people go like, well, oh my God, the magnitude of like not having a suite for um, in the rest of my life, like, oh my God, that's yep. terrible. That's horrific. But 
can I go today? Like if I, it's like, yeah. And I think, yeah, I totally agree with that. And I think that's a good example. And the, the, I, what I would say is like, that's the sustainability part, right? So if you're signing up for, I'm never eating sweets again, there's a chance that that's not going to be that successful over the long run. But if you figure out where that sweet spot is, is can I do this for the next 30 days? And can I do this for beyond that? And if you can't, then you've got to figure out where, what is the sustainable end of it? What is the consistent end of it that I can do? And so maybe it's every Thursday I get a cookie, right? Whatever that might be. And being really honest with yourself about where can I, how hard can I push without falling apart? Mm -hmm. Because when we fall apart, we always, we too often go back to where we started from, which is obviously a place that we're not super happy with. Right. And so it's just always kind of making baby steps forward, making, you know, those little victories, those little wins. I think that's, I think that to me is what I, what I read into the, the, the aim for consistency and sustainability is like, where's that sweet spot? Last one, treat yourself like someone who matters. I think it's really easy for us to um, default to outside of ourselves, you know, to mm-hmm. like um, to um, put others, you know, so this might be a, a strange and obscure example, but um, Tony Blauer, who is the um, mm-hmm. self-defense guide, not guru in our space um, and really like Blauer tactical, like um, the guy's legit. Like he, um, he's really legit in terms of like uh, um, self-defense. And he, he, he works with everyone from, you know, special forces to first responders, to MMA, to like regular people every day. And when he goes into, um, he, he tells a story if he goes in, he's giving a, um, a presentation, a talk, a seminar to uh, um, a handful of mothers and um, he asks them, like, if you were being attacked, what would you do? And the majority of them don't do a whole lot. He says, now imagine you open the door to your front door and your nine-year-old daughter is being attacked. What would you do? Mm. And they're like, they go ape wild on him right there just for even the thought of it. And they're like, how dare you? Like even insinuate, like. Like the, it's because we're so, we, we forget to take care of ourselves. And what, that's all he's trying to get to is mm-hmm. why would you not protect yourself the same way you would protect your daughter? And I think it's easy for us to kind of um, say to ourselves like this moment right here isn't that impactful. This moment right here isn't that important. It's not really um, – um, I'm not that person that it matters that much to. Yes, mm-hmm. Tom Brady should eat that way. Yes, Tom Brady should sleep a certain way. Yes, Tom Brady should get body work done. But not me because dot, dot, dot. Yes, there are other people that should um, do meditation. Yes, there are other people that should do this. And we're not treating ourselves. And by the way, this is not like an, an income thing. We could do all those, like you could, you can eat really clean and you get body work done, you know, foam roller, um, all done really easily for yourself. But yet we kind of just default, like those other people are at a higher level than me. They deserve that thing or that matters more for them. And we don't take the initiative to do these things for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that. 
I don't think I have much to add to that. I think it's a good place to wrap up. That was really fun. Thank you, Ben. Um, that was, uh, I, and thank you to the, the listener who sent us that idea because uh, I'm not sure I would have come up with that on my own. So thank you. We'll be back next week for another episode of Chasing Excellence. You can get every episode of Chasing Excellence wherever you listen to your podcasts or on YouTube. Until next time, thank you for listening. For the ones who get it done, the most important part is the one you need now. And the best partner is the one who can deliver. That's why millions of maintenance and repair pros trust Granger, Because we have professional-grade supplies for every industry, even hard-to-find products. And we have same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders. But most importantly, we have an unwavering commitment to help keep you up and running. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.